Welcome to the Mellow Mama podcast, where I talk all things conscious living and conscious, respectful parenting with the help of lots of great books, resources, and of course, my own experience as a mom. Today, first of all, if you're new here, what's up? I'm Caitlin, and people usually call me Kate. Today, I'm going to be talking to one of my favorite people in the entire world, my dad. (laughs) One of the biggest questions, the most common questions, rather, that I get as a conscious parenting coach is, how can I get my husband on board? How can I get my in-laws or my parents on board? They just don't get what this is. They don't understand conscious parenting, and they're really, quite frankly, offended by me even proposing it. And I hate this question because I I really feel for the people that ask me that Um, and at the same time I actually really think that I've figured out to a certain degree how to present this philosophy and really how to model it in a way that gives the people in your life a lot of grace and allows you to operate from a place of true compassion and understanding as opposed to judgment and criticism falling right back into the old patterns that you are conditioned with that you're trying to eliminate from the relationship you build with your own children. So today I really want to talk to my dad and answer some questions so that if you have someone in your life that is new to the concept of conscious parenting but is willing to hear him out. Sometimes we just need to hear the perspective of someone else and especially I think men respond really well to hearing from other men and it just is a thing. I don't know why Um, but I, I think that's totally fine and I think that especially hearing from someone that's raised four children and was new to this concept as a concept in philosophy when I first had my son Donovan and started teaching people about it very publicly online. (laughs) Um, He wasn't necessarily like, yeah, I totally align with that, or that's, you know, uh, what I did or what I believe in. And in fact, I'll let let you do the talking, Dad, but it, it wasn't exactly the easiest thing to interpret at first from both my parents' perspective. And if you haven't listened to the episode where I speak with my mom, Please go like listen to that one after this or even before this one. It'll give you a really interesting scope on my perspective and my personal journey as an individual. Obviously, in a micro dose, you won't get to know me really like on a deep level and understand my childhood or whatever, but you can get a good understanding of why this practice is so important to me and I'm so passionate about helping parents and children all over the world. So anyway... Just a quick background about my dad. I, I often tell people that he was a naturally very respectful parent, someone who was very attuned to us children. I have three siblings, uh, two brothers and one sister. Two of them are twins, actually. And um, it came very naturally to my dad, I think, to operate in the way that I really teach people to operate with their children, omitting shame, manipulation, bribery, coercion, and just general criticism from the relationship and really focusing on that, the relationship, really understanding uh, the person in front of him, which was me or my brothers or my sister, um, and just truly being curious about each of us individually and allowing us to be exactly who we are and making us feel really unconditionally loved. I didn't feel like I had to perform for my dad's love and connection, um, and I still don't to this day. So I think it's a really beautiful contrast to 
the conversation if you've heard it with my mom who was raised in a completely different environment than my dad and truly has struggled with this concept of the relationship as opposed to a control dynamic until very recently. Um, so my dad is amazing. We live in Ohio and he's a working man. <laughs> um, and I think it'll, it'll be so fun for you guys to hear his point of view. And we'll even answer some questions from you guys directly, some of my followers at the end here. So first of all, welcome dad. Thank you. Thanks so much be for here. being on the podcast. This Absolutely. is the best. Um, how would you describe your first impression of conscious or respectful parenting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because, uh, you know, anyone who understands it, it just seems like complete common sense. But um, one of the challenges is people look at parenting in the respect in which they were raised and the model in which they were raised. And, you know, take take me, for example. So I'm in my late 40s. My parents were born in the 30s and 40s and raised in the 50s. Um, and the style that they used, that they were raised with, is uh, almost a hundred years old at this point, you know, it's a long time ago. And, um, and that was the way that, that we were raised too. So when you look at respectful parenting, you kind of immediately compare it to how you were raised because you assume, Hey, I turned out, I'm using air quotes, turned out. Okay. Um, so that must be the best way to raise children. Um, and any other alternate way is probably inaccurate or incorrect you know so there's an aspect of that where it's much different than the way the way that I was raised um, but the techniques that raised me were you know developed in the 50s and 40s a long time ago um, the other thing too is you know um, kind of to take a look at the style that we use to raise our kids uh, once again it's based upon people that we saw people that we observed our own interactions and whatnot and then we mimic that right or wrong um, but when we, you know, when I started raising Caitlin, there was no internet. There was no <laughs> Google how no not YouTube to be a bad channel. parent. There was no YouTube. You just spoke to somebody and that person might have been completely wrong and had <laughs> kids that were totally messed up and you were taking bad advice, right? So there's, there was not a lot of resources either to understand anything different. So up until just recently, you know, parents haven't had the opportunity to reach out beyond their own internal family and social group to understand what the best techniques are for parenting. Um, so in, in, you know, in, when, you know, Caitlin kind of first started to introduce respectful parenting to us, it made a lot of sense. And as I, I looked at it, I was like, well, these are things I think I was doing, but I also looked at it as it's not, it's not just respectful parenting. It's just the way you should treat people. Yeah. You know, it isn't, it's, it's good for parenting, but if you treat a coworker the same way, it's going to, you're going to get the same great response. If you treat your spouse the same way, you're going to get the same great response. Um, and, you know, I was very fortunate. And, you know, I had, I had two parents that were extremely different uh, in their styles. Um, my mom was very much uh, command and control style, um, you know, her way or the highway. She'd get upset very easily. And, you know, um, and even, even potentially you shame at times. Um, whereas my father, I think I've, I've never heard him say a mean thing to anyone ever my entire life and he was extremely patient right and um very understanding and, and compassionate um um you know so much different styles and i think i kind of gravitated more towards my dad's style of how to treat people not just parenting but in general how do you treat people i i kind of picked that up from my father luckily oh i love grandpa so much i yeah. totally agree with that one of my favorite things that you said there was basically 
that if you are still someone that is out of, I, I'll, I will say, you didn't say this, but out of fear, adhering to old uh, childbearing philosophy, it's just dated information, <laughs> just outdated. Mm-hmm. It's a really important thing to take into consideration, especially today when we have all this great information at our fingertips. When you're getting access so easily to great resources, incredible authors, like I, I give you stuff to read that I'm like, this will help you have days that aren't horrible with your children. And even if they are horrible, I've had a, a kind of rough day actually, <laughs> it's kind of relevant. You have the tools to like deal with it in a healthy way, yeah. to model like having a hard day healthily to your kids. And like my dad was just telling me before we recorded, you're, you're taking on the impact of today so, you're, so your daughter doesn't, right? She's not going to have the psychological repercussions of a parent that cannot handle their emotional state in a graceful way. And anyway, I just thought that was so poignant. Like, it's just dated. I think it's important, especially I think for men listening. I, I feel like every man I've ever met is like, I want the newest, greatest, latest information. I want to be up to date and I want to feel educated. Like I know what's right. Why are we not applying that same logic? But you know what it is? It's, it's because uh, we get a blueprint and we say we have a blueprint. That everyone has a blueprint. And they said, this is the way, this is your blueprint on how to raise children because this is how you were raised and you'll model it. And it's hard to take that out. It's kind of it gets to be part of your DNA and your personality. So part of accepting respectful parenting, if you weren't raised that way, is saying, I was not raised right. I was, my, I, you know, I, I, I always thought that I came from a, and I did, but I always came from a very happy, successful family, you know, a really healthy family. And then when I take a look back at, at, at um, kind of respectful parenting, I realize you know, there are a lot of things that, that probably could have been different and could have been better, right? And I would have formed a different way potentially because of them. So I think that's the, one of the hardest things about accepting it is it's not that you're right or wrong, but like, like Caitlin said, it's like accepting that there's a new way and there's new information that you could use. And maybe there is a better way. And if you're a father... You should want to be the best damn father you can be. And if that means that you need to change the way you do things, you should change the way you do things. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't, you, you shouldn't be, you know, complacent with the way that you were raised. Do you, would you say, sorry to cut you off, Dad. No, you're That's right. awesome. So would you say that people might struggle to acknowledge a shift because of the internalized shame and criticism that they've experienced? They might feel like, they don't appreciate their parents. They don't appreciate their own yeah. childhood and upbringing. They feel like they might discredit their parents. Like how you were saying, I, I thought I came from this really highly functional family, a successful family. Um, and then looking back, I think sometimes people, I'll answer my question. I want to hear your response too. I think sometimes people are really reluctant to look into one, what's going on internally for them. Like yeah. how are they really operating on a day-to-day basis? Because it's really painful to think that maybe something could have been done differently. And it's especially painful if we think that even reflecting on that means that we don't like our parents, we don't love our parents, and yeah. we, don't, we don't appreciate everything we ever got from them. I definitely felt that way when I was like making YouTube videos and I think, mom, are you, you know, like, well, we kind of think your YouTube channel is like a big dig on us. Like we didn't do things. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, that was one of the harder things in accepting it. Um, in the beginning was we would see some content and then go, 
damn, she's uh, she's saying <laughs> do the opposite of what we did. I mean, and it did it did feel like, you know, she's saying that we did a bad job as parents. And I'm going to say it on record right now that sometimes we did. There were things that we sucked at that we could have done a hell of a lot better, but we didn't know because we were raised by techniques that were from the forties. So like, <laughs> um, well, and you, yeah, it's, <laughs> and I want to just point that out one more time, like, listen to what my dad just said. We didn't know, like, it's okay. I think yeah. that that's the most beautiful aspect of conscious parenting and living is operating from this non-egoic place of like, Something could be better, but it doesn't make you better or worse. Like, I'm not better than you. I'm not better than my parents were. I know more. I have access yeah. to more information. But everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. And I think, except for crazy people that are like, they've got a lot of trauma and they can't love their kids or other people, I think the average person loves their kids so much and just Absolutely. wants the best for them. It's not like you know, my parents with the certain things that they implemented didn't have the best intentions, just like your oh, mom yeah. and dad. Oh intentions, yeah. Intentions are one thing. Methods are different, right? So like you can say, I don't want my child to get hurt. So my intention is to keep my child safe. There's two ways to do it. One, you can kind of understand what they're doing and gracefully kind of move them away from something that might get them hurt. Or you can scream at them and tell them to get down. <laughs> the, the intention is exactly the same, but the method, one of them leaves a scar and one of them uh, creates you know, trust and, and um, respect, right? So it's really the method more so than it is the intent. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are just like so many good things to pull out of here, but I'm going to move on to the Let's next go. one. How would you describe your style of parenting your own four children? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I to to some extent, I you know, I started out parenting thinking, you know, hey, let's you know continue to do things the way I, I was done. It was more of a manner of control, right? It was, a, you know, I'm I know more than you because I'm an adult, and yeah, I understand you might feel this way or whatever, but um, it doesn't matter because you don't you you don't know, right? Because you're a child, you know. And it started out like that to some extent, so it was very much a, we're in control. You know, you may you don't have a voice, right? Um, and unfortunately, that's that's the way that we did that. And and where possible, you know, I would try to understand if I could, you know, I, I have a fairly high emotional IQ, so I could pick up on when one of my children was upset about something we said or whatever, and try to talk to them about it a little bit more. But for the most part, it was like we got to manage this family, and in order to manage this family, and the word manage is really important there, right? And manage this family. Um, we don't have time to necessarily be polite all the time. And, and that, that's not the right way to interact with anybody. Um, the, Imagine applying that yeah. to any other relationship exactly. dynamic. Well, it's, I don't have time to be polite to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, look ethical. at the work environment. It's the same way. I mean, I had someone once tell me that, um, that I wasn't a manager, I was a leader. Because there's a difference between a manager and a leader, or a boss and a leader, right? So a leader says, hey, here's where we need to go, and here's why we should do it, and encourages people. A boss um, just tells people what to do and tells them to just do it, right? And nobody responds to that well. And it goes the same way with your children, too, you know I mean? And people leave bosses, <laughs> you know? They say people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. Well, you know, your kids may not leave you physically, but they might leave you emotionally, and there may be a distance between you because you're being a boss instead of a, a leader for them, you know? Oh, my gosh, that's so good. That's like a T-shirt. I don't know if I answered the question or not, but... That, uh, yeah, I think, I think that I kind of answered it in the beginning yeah. by kind of stating how I felt on the receiving end of our relationship. Um, but yeah, it is important to note that like typical behaviorism was 
implemented in our household growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and honestly, a lot of it was definitely the more warm and fuzzy version, like warmly authoritarianism, um, a lot of praise for the things that we like seeing, a lot of, um, I guess it, the not warm and fuzzy ones were like a lot of shame, like don't be ungrateful, you know, you're being ungrateful or, you know, kind of like softer, like we were never like, uh, I don't know, like blatantly insulted as people or anything, but there was a lot of like manipulating the behavior, rewarding what we wanted to see continue and punishing what we wanted to see stop, especially for my older brother, James, who had some pretty severe trauma, some pretty big adjustments that my parents just didn't understand at the time. Now looking back, it's like, oh gosh, like how many things we could have done to help him. Um, adjust in a more healthy way but I think that behaviorism seemed like the only option for someone like that and there were a lot of labels thrown around as well like defiant child and uh yeah I mean and it exactly and that and that's up until that point right I mean we're talking the early 90s behaviorism was pretty much it you know I mean there were some cultures I'd heard in like France and some other cultures where respectful parenting was kind of the norm um, and, you know, but I don't think it had gotten to the rest of the world yet, right, to where it was commonplace. And it makes sense that now is the, is the, the time. And actually, it, this is going to sound really silly, and this is just my opinion, but I don't think, at least in America, I don't think anyone cared about kids until about the late 80s. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, as a kid, we did not have to wear seatbelts. We could run all around. If mom hit the brakes, we slammed into the front of the seat. <laughs> Our toys were dangerous. Nobody thought twice about whether or not a kid was going to get messed up from a toy. It was like <laughs> the 90s when people were like, you know what? We should probably keep an eye on these kids a little bit better. <laughs> What's and that one toy called? Jarts or something? <laughs> Jarts, yeah. My neighbors gave us the lawn darts that I think she was trying to thin out the sap family. <laughs> uh, they were dangerous, you know. And it was like, it wasn't until like the 90s where it was like, hey, maybe we should start giving a shit about kids' feelings. <laughs> Before then, they did not care. And when my parents were kids, they really didn't care. It was yeah. like, if you were a child, you were a second-class citizen to, to a big extent, you know? Oh, yeah. There weren't even child labor laws, I don't no, think, right? No, absolutely not. So, like, it, it, it's a more recent thing that, that I think the American culture, recent meaning in the last 30 years, really care about children and what children think as individuals. Yeah, like, look at them as Prior people. Prior to that, it, it really wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, so all. it's not the Okay. No. If anybody's out there struggling, like I can't, I can't do this. I can't think about this. Like I would be, you know, saying that my parents did a bad job. Maybe they did, and it's okay. It's <laughs> well, not and they their did fault. the best job they yeah, could and- do based on the examples they had and based on the information they had. And once again, kind of back to the question, right? The 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 kind of resistance we had to respectful parenting was like, damn, I did the best job I could as a parent. Caitlin just made a YouTube video that said I didn't do a very good job as a parent. Yeah. And that was hard to take. But once we got past that, and I think what really helped was honestly having Donovan and us being grandparents to Donovan, we wanted to try and interact with him the same way you did. We didn't want to interact with him the way we did with you. And through Donovan and being grandparents, we got a chance to kind of learn and practice the respectful parenting thing we're doing. And we have a much different relationship with Donovan at that age than we had with you at that age. Yeah. Well, and I do have to like correct myself. I don't mean a bad job. I mean, uh, 
I think that sometimes people... You can say it. You did, well, not even that. It's like uh, maybe you made mistakes. Maybe you missed the mark in some areas where you could have... Ignorance. It was ignorance. It really is just... It, it, that's all it's it is. It's not like and I knew not, and I chose <laughs> and not cho- to. Well, and that's what people need to hear also. <laughs> if you are listening to this kind of content material and you're like, nope, got to go with the old way, it's like that's a different thing. Like now you do know more, but you're choosing yeah. a different methodology that is proven. I mean, there's research that proves the impact of interacting with a child as if they are not a a whole person Um, and there's also common sense when you really just are allowing yourself to be vulnerable and say like okay yeah Yeah. that just that doesn't make sense like how would that make sense if I were to interact with my husband that way like I better not spoil you I can't hug you too much or you know I you don't get a snack at this time like you're hungry I I would never I just I don't know there's a million examples um but yeah, I just wanted to say that. Like, I didn't mean to say it like that. Oh, no, you've done it's a bad okay. job. It's okay. Um, because also we can look at our experience with our own parents, and you can like I'm talking about like me and my dad. We can look at our experience with our own parents and see all of the amazing things. I mean, I had the most insane childhood. I had the best childhood. I really did. Like, my parents are the funniest, coolest people. Like, slightly eccentric. I mean, during the pandemic, I think I might have mentioned this in my podcast episode with my mom. Like, to just put it in perspective for you guys. Like, I walked into my parents' house and they were just for fun seeing if they could make their own toilet paper from, like, recycled newspaper. Just, and not just like, oh, they had a little what is that called? Like that you guys, I mean, they built a we made, system. <laughs> made the screens to make paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just like a casual Tuesday. It was a little rough. It was, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like a, a successful project, but the no. project in of itself is the example of the kind of a childhood experience I had where it was like very limitless and fun and we are so connected. And I felt like, um, although there was a bit of like performative nature, I definitely had a lot of like disease to please. And there were some elements of that. If you guys aren't aware I, it like pains me to even say it out loud, but like my dad adopted me and my older brother James um, when we were how old? Seven uh, and five. That's probably how old you adopted you. Yeah. yeah. So so there, I think there was a bit of that for me that didn't even really come from my dad. I just wanted him to love me so bad, and and so the behaviorism that I received more really so from my mom made it very clear to me subconsciously at a very young age, like okay, you've got to be perfect. Because, like, this is your dream dad. Like, it's happening. And, like, you have to be perfect so he'll love you and accept you. And um, my dad never gave me any sort of actual, like, indication that that was the case. In fact, it was the complete opposite. But I still had that wiring. And I'm sure if anybody's listening that, um, you know, went through an adoption scenario, you know what I mean. I've gotten that feedback before from people in a similar circumstance that, it's just sort of there in your uh, childhood psychology, which is very normal. But um, I think that, I don't know, there were so many interesting elements of what led to me being like in that people pleaser zone and trying so hard and getting kind of performative. But at the same time, both of both of you and mom did such a, an amazing job of at least always vocalizing, like, be yourself. Like, we want you to be yourself and we want you to... Um, pursue the things that you're passionate about. And there were no limits. It was like, we always want to You know, so here's an example of that, actually. Um, One time, uh, Caitlin, uh, you know, when kids are young, you don't know what they're going to be interested in. And Caitlin was playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, the video game, a lot. (laughs) 
So we're like, okay, Caitlin might want to be a roller coaster engineer when she gets older, which is amazing to think of now. Yes. So like, I so like for Christmas one year, I think we got one of those Connects roller coasters, so yep. that you could build it and like. And that cool. Hey, she's interested in being a, a roller coaster of like designing the roller coasters. Yeah, designing the roller coasters and stuff, and then like, and then obviously she is not a roller coaster engineer, engineer. <laughs> but like we would see an interest and then try to support it, and then if it didn't, but I think sometimes that came across as oh, mom and dad want me to do all these things but it's like no you said you wanted to do it yeah. and then once you say you want to do it we're 100 percent behind you push 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 but then you're like i don't want to be a roller coaster engineer anymore but mom and dad are really into this so bad. <laughs> path now and may maybe you just had like a weekend where you wanted to be one and we were like you know but but we tried Full to send. be really supportive <laughs> yes and just to see what would stick so um yeah. yeah exactly so again we might you might be able to like take a step back even through the reparenting process when you really are able to like peel back the layers and say, okay, maybe things could have looked a little bit different. Um, but what also you can acknowledge at the same time, like all the beautiful things that you just are so grateful for and so appreciative of, even the things that were hard, even the things that were challenging, especially if you're fortunate enough like me to have your parents truly get it, like have the aha moment, that epiphany of like, I understand what conscious parenting is. It's not about like being nice to your kids. It's like, truly being curious about them, getting them on a deeper level. I, I'll say, though, it took like six to nine months. Like, it was not like immediate. It wasn't like you listen to one podcast or read one book and then you got it. You have to kind of practice it and see it and go, okay, I'm kind of getting this now. But it does take a while because it, to some extent it's like reprogramming. It is. It absolutely is reprogramming. Yeah. Um, and it's hard reprogramming because of all those things we've already mentioned. Yeah. Your, your own subconscious thought patterns around like, and, and triggers based on your own inner child's response and your own inner critical parent's responses to the things around you, especially if you're raising children, you know, like your child having a huge reaction to something, emotional response or whatever, that's totally warranted. Like it's normal to be disappointed. It's normal yeah. to get upset or it's normal to get dysregulated when you're tired or hungry and you're two, you know, like that's, right. it's normal for an adult. But we've made it so abnormal because we've placed shame around those things and criticism and even punitive measures like hurting kids and screaming at them when they're in any state that makes us uncomfortable that we, anyway, we, all of that stuff makes us deeply uncomfortable ourselves because of the way we were responded to in those exact moments. But we can, we can change that, but it's going to take time. It truly is yeah. a practice. And I think it's so funny and... I kind of, I think I asked mom that too, like, what did you notice that was different about your relationship with Donovan or just Donovan in general, which by the way, Donovan's my oldest child, my son, he's six and a half now. Um, and for, for those of you listening that are new uh, to the concept of conscious parenting, absolutely, I'm not into comparative stuff. Like I don't like comparing children or saying like, I don't know. This isn't a statement of my son is perfect and amazing and better than other children. But there are certain things that you'll notice raising children in a, in a conscious way, really keeping them in reality, staying in relationship and always looking to connect with them and get curious about them. Uh, there's just a huge difference in the way that you see them behave, the way you see them respond, communicate. Um, so I, I'm curious what, you're, what you noticed, Dad. Yeah, actually, I, I thought about this before. So, um, you know, obviously, I know 
I've you know been been with Donovan for a long time, and he and I are thick as thieves. Mm-hmm. They're best and, friends. And um, it's actually it's so this is a, um, a potential product plug for the future. But I uh, I wrote a draft book actually a children's book, um, kind of inspired by the stuff that Caitlin's doing um, about uh, a little boy who doesn't feel comfortable speaking up when something upsets him and, and sharing his feelings. And um, I, I showed, I talked to Donovan about, it. I showed him like a, some concept artwork for it and stuff. And he's like, so what's the book about? And I'm like, well, there's this little kid and these situations happen and he doesn't feel comfortable saying how he feels. And Donovan was like, what are you talking about, Papa? <laughs> like, he's like, I don't even understand. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why wouldn't he be able to say how he feels? That doesn't make any sense. It, the concept was completely foreign to Donovan. I was like, oh shit, yeah, you were raised different. <laughs> so, yeah, so, but he, it didn't even dawn on him that he couldn't say how he's feeling at any given time. And that was, that was a moment for me where I was like, wow, I mean, I'm writing this, this book from my perspective of a little boy who didn't feel comfortable saying if I disagreed with something. And he doesn't even have that concept. So that, to me, that was kind of a lot of the proof in the pudding. Obviously, there's a million other examples of that, but it's it, he doesn't even understand that. He's like, well, why would someone be upset about sharing their feelings? And I was like, well, sometimes people get upset when you share your feelings. He's like, really? Like it was, <laughs> it was so foreign, so and it, yeah, and it was just wonderful to see that. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that he is never going to grow up feeling like that. Well, what would you say to somebody listening that's like, well? we don't need to be obsessing over feelings like people are getting too soft. This is creating like snowflake children who can't handle the real world. No, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's an interesting concept, you know, to some extent. I, I think there's a balance between it though. Um, you know, and, and I, gosh, let me think of how I think I feel about this without saying something that's politically incorrect. It's okay. Um, so, well, it, you know, it, it, it's I, honestly, I think if you raise a, a child who's confident, they're going to be able to handle difficult situations a lot better. Yes. Right. And I think the concept of soft children, especially with men and boys, is unfortunately in our culture, there's value given to the ability to create violence as a man, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, your kid's so soft, he's going to get his ass kicked. And it's like, it's it's different. One, if your kid's smart, they're not going to be in a situation where that's needed. And two, if they're confident, they're going to be able to handle any situation with grace. So it's you don't have to worry about making your kid soft. Um, the overly macho like kind of expectation that's put on men sometimes causes some bad behavior too. I agree. So you know you want to make your kid you want to make your kid I would say resilient in the in their ability to handle things themselves. Right. And that's really the key to it. Um, uh, now, what I would say, too, and this is something I practice with our kids was, it, you know, I read something. It's something called learned helplessness, which is if your kid can do something, you shouldn't do that for them again. They let them do it themselves. Right. So like, um, you know, because that's I think that's what might make kids soft is I remember one neighbor we had and the kid was like nine years old and he's like, Mom, can you get me a banana? And like. <laughs> He's in the kitchen. He can reach the banana. Mom's also in the kitchen. She can reach a banana. Mom's like, yeah, honey, let me get you a banana. And it's like, you're just crippling this kid, you know? Like, let him get his own damn banana, right? Like, There's a time and a place. What and my, the heck? And my dad, of all people, is the, the number one proponent for uh, supplying people with snacks, like me. Right, we love to right. feed people. And yeah, we love but it's like, like, but if he can get it himself, like, 
And meanwhile, if you have a kid who is feels empowered, they wouldn't even ask mom. They'll be like, I'm hungry. There's a banana. I'm going to grab a banana and eat it. And like, right. you don't get this like learned helplessness piece. And, and I remember one time when Kate was a kid, we were cleaning the house and like at six years old, she would help clean the house like to a great extent. Right. And I remember you were in the chat, you were in the bathroom and you were switching out liners in the trash can <laughs> at six um. and I was like oh then, you know that was a moment where in my you know old parenting style I was like I must be doing something right I got a six-year-old changing out the liners without being asked right and like I don't change the liners I just dump the stuff out and leave the same old liner in but like but it was like you could do that at six so let you do it you know and I mean there's a there's a degree of that where you can go a little too far where you're working children and that's not good either, right? But Anytime like, there's expectations, yeah, and it's like, exactly. I, I love you more when you when you take change, out the trash. Exactly, yeah. but it, but it, but it's the. I think that's the balance: is build the confidence with your kids, but don't don't encourage learned helplessness either, right? And I think the learned helplessness is more likely what causes kind of this th- concept of like a soft child than anything else. Yeah, well, and I think that true, tr- the true epidemic. Uh, in society is insecure people with low self-esteem. I mean, it's proven, again, more research, there's proof that people that have low self-esteem treat people poorly. People with high self-esteem, I mean, it doesn't take a research study. You can name five people on your mind right now that just kind of suck. They're the worst. And you're like, wait, they're super insecure. They have low self-esteem. They were shamed. They were made to feel like yes. they weren't worth Yes, and it's not anything. even their fault that they suck. They were told that they didn't have a voice. I have a friend of mine, his, his wife, um, she said that um, her dad used to say, well, you'll have an opinion when I give you one. And that was a statement. And he just said right. it as some simple statement. Guess when? That, he was probably raised in the 20s or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, they would say stupid crap like that, and he wouldn't think anything of it. But what that tells a child is, you don't have an opinion, you don't have a voice, don't bother speaking. Yeah, you know, that's and, healthy for and, marriage and every yeah, other relationship and then, and then, you look out And then for. when you take that into the workplace and you take that into your relationships, you know, it gets really dangerous because you don't feel like you have a voice there either. So, you know, you're, you're planting the seeds for a healthy adult here. You're not, not as much worried about them as a child, but like when they're an adult, they need to be able to speak their mind and they'll be a lot more successful because of that. Yeah, and not just, some people look at that and they're like, oh God, we got a lot of people speaking their mind. Uh, That's okay. (laughs) First of all, totally okay. But also the real, again, like when we have people with low self-esteem and no healthy coping mechanisms, we create an actual real softness, a real problem. Like low resilience level where people cannot handle reality they have to numb themselves with food with television with drugs with you know casual like people laugh about it like oh gotta have my glass of wine to get through the night like a long day of being a mom and i'm like dude i support you drinking a glass of wine that's fine if you need to do that (laughs) like that's fun for you whatever but if you are unaware of what you're trying to escape, if you're trying to escape your reality because it is painful, exhausting, um, and you're doing that on a routine basis, which a large percentage, at least of the American population, is doing that daily, we have to escape. I don't want to look at the root cause of my pain. I need to numb it. Let's put a Band-Aid over it. Let's ignore it. Um, Or let's just say I'm, I'm just messed up. It's just the way I'm wired. As opposed to actually looking at our life, our childhoods especially, and saying, hmm, was I given healthy coping mechanisms? Was I given the tools to handle like normal healthy, like normal people feelings? Like it's normal, like I said, to be disappointed about stuff. 
or to feel discouraged or to feel disappointed, like uh, let down and confused or lost. Like these are normal things that come up for the average person, like often. And conscious parenting is equipping our children. Like my son, which makes me so happy to hear from, you know, your perspective, dad, that um, he, you know, has that skill set already. Like it's just a normal thing, the ebbs and flows of being a human being. Sometimes you're going to feel down. Sometimes you're going to feel great. Um, But being a conscious parent is going to equip him long-term how to deal with hard times moving forward when I'm not around to support him. Uh, And that's really one of my biggest goals, along with, which is my next question, um, you know, building that true trust and real connection, having your children come to you as opposed to hide from you when they make a mistake uh, or, uh, you know, make a decision that they might think doesn't align with you, the parent. What do you think about uh, the difference between conscious parenting and building like what what the long-term goal is for most parents would you agree that's like the long-term goal for so many especially absolutely like i want my kids like my daughters especially to like you know come to me and confide in me and ask me. well and you know a lot of people think about raising being a parent and raising kids as that kind of 18 to 22 year period when they're younger right but you're more likely to have a relationship with your kids as an adult longer relationships with your kids as an adult than you will when they were a child, right? So, you know, Kate right. and I, if you look at, let's say, the age 20, right? You know, when you were 20, how old was I? I don't know. But like... We're, <laughs> I mean, my dad's very, like, significantly young. Yeah, so we're going to have, like, 60 years of a relationship, or maybe less than that, right? 50 years or whatever is a relationship as adults. So that time when your period, is, when your child is really a short period of that, and what you want to do is you want to build the trust and respect when they're younger. Yeah, so that you can have a good relationship with them as an adult. Yeah, 100%. And that's that's my personal goal. And I think that it's important to point out because I think, again, because I'm really gearing this episode toward the dads, the grandpas, the granddads, and any any man that's contemplating, like, I want to have children and be a parent one day. I think that all people are really into, like, okay, does my strategy make sense for my goals? But I definitely find that men are about that. Like, with my own husband... I think Tommy responds better when I paint the picture of conscious parenting in that way. Like, but does your strategy make sense for what you actually want to achieve with your children? Well, and I think to that point too, uh, I I mean, I can't speak for men in general, but I mean, at least for me, I never thought about it, what the strategy was. You know, I I mean, I wasn't even conscious about my parenting style. You know, you you have kids and then just kind of it automatically happens. And when you let it happen automatically, it's going to be based on what your experiences were, which are not necessarily the correct thing. So just the fact of saying, hey, I want to have a parenting style and I want to have this a parenting style that's effective to have good relationships with my kids throughout our entire life uh, is a huge step forward. Yeah. And what would you say, we're going to move on to um, a couple of questions from people from Instagram, but one of the biggest things that a lot of women struggle with, which you guys, my dad is uh, not necessarily the best person to give an answer to this, no offense, dad, but he's like a very open, receptive person, like very free of the ego in my humble opinion. So if my mom were to present this information to him, I can't see him being like, 
well, that's dumb, we're not doing that, and just being dismissive and fear-based and insecure. Um, but a lot of people are met with that kind of response. Their mm-hmm. husband just does they don't get it, and they're like, no, we're not doing things that way. Do you have any advice for how you might present this information in a way that would be more well-received on the end of like a husband? Like thinking yeah. as a guy, or and you know guys, you know men, like... Could you think of, okay, like, what are, what are some tips that you could give any woman listening who's a wife or has a significant other that they're just like, I don't know how to talk to them about this or to get them to understand it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, to start out with that, too, if your wife comes to you with anything and says something and you immediately dis- dismiss it and shut it down, you're probably not being a very respectful husband either, right? So you should probably do a gut check there and go, <laughs> um, you know, maybe there's some other problems, right? So like, um, you know, and, and Kate's right for me, I'm a very open-minded person um, by nature. So it's very easy. But um, I mean, I think you, I think, I think you go back to intent, right? So, you know, fathers want their children to be successful in life and in their career and in their health. And, you know, one thing I can say is, you know, when you, when you have a child who, is shamed or is told not to speak or, um, you know, you're doing things that maybe damage that kid's uh, insecure or creates insecurities that follows them into adulthood. And then when they're talking to a boss, they're not, they're not going to speak up when they have a good idea. Right. So they're not going to get that promotion. Right. They're not, they're not going to get leadership positions over people who are more confident than them publicly. Right. So like, and I ran into that to some extent. I mean, I've had a successful career, but like, because I didn't feel like I could always speak up, you know, there were times where, you know, people, people who, the people who spoke up are the ones that got the promotions, you know? So if you really want your kid to be successful in life, um, you, you need to foster their confidence and the parents have a big role in that. Um, and I don't know if that's a good way to address it. I mean, cause I, I think a lot of, and I don't want to use any stereotypes, but I mean, it's certainly a lot of, you know, men, especially if they're the, the kind of primary breadwinner of the family, think of success in terms of their career. Well, think of your children's career. If that's the case, if you want to think of success that way, what can you do to set your children up so that they feel confident to be leaders, to, to speak up in difficult situations and make difficult decisions. And you don't do that by shaming them and telling them to shut up. Right. You know, you do that by listening to them and encouraging them. And, you know, I've worked with certain people and I, you know, I, I, after kind of learning this stuff from Caitlin, I was like, you know, I bet that person had a very respectful parent because they are completely confident talking and about difficult situations that needed to be talked about. And they're more successful in their career than I am because I'm not as comfortable with that. Right. So like think of it in those terms too. You're, you're trying to help set them up for long-term success. So that really goes back to that same conversation of okay let's at least I know this is I so I'll my answer to that which what actually before I answer um I want to point out one thing that you said dad about you know when you have these people with low self-esteem and they, they don't have the same kind of confidence especially in the workplace you also notice people that don't have high self-esteem that are loud <laughs> that make a lot of noise yeah. even in an interview process recently my dad was interviewing someone and you made a comment that they they the lion doesn't have to tell the room that they're the lion right that kind of like super loud insecurity um that shows up as well as some from someone that has been Mm -hmm. has had to perform for their level of worthiness their whole life has had to perform for connection for their needs to be met has had to work extra hard to feel important and seen and worthy of those things that shows up as well in that way 
it might be that they shut down and that they're uncomfortable in certain social settings that are really important for their growth and success, but it also might be that they are kind of hard to deal with. Overconfidence. Yes, and overcompensating really. Like what, and I look at that in children and I'm like, oh, this poor little baby is trying so hard to get their needs met. And I look at that as adults as well. I'm like, oh, they're trying so hard to get their needs for feeling important met, which is the ego in the pain body and we are I'm so excited for my course updates where we talk about those things and I have some podcast episodes on them as well but I think that's important and anyway my answer to this if you're struggling out there first of all just send them this episode (laughs) have them hear directly from my dad it's a lot easier than you trying to explain Um, and it's nice to hear someone just talk about it in a way that is like commonsensical but also Come from a place of compassion and curiosity just like you do with your children. Try to get on the same page. A common sales tactic is feel felt found. Use that on the people in your life that do not get you to try to get on the same page. And the example of that looks like, mm, I, Dad, give me an objection to conscious parenting. Um, gosh. Um, well, the children just don't know what they need. Um, you know, you should just tell them what to do because, um, they just aren't aware. Yeah. They're not rational. Yeah. I totally get how you feel. I felt that way too. Like my whole life I was, I was a nanny at one point. I totally felt like kids just aren't rational. Like you need to tell them what to do. Um, but what I found as I learned so much more about child development, child psychology, my own childhood experience is that, Children absolutely are expressing themselves super clearly all the time. They're trying so hard to get their needs met. And what really helps us to improve behavior, if that's our goal, if we want our children to be able to communicate more clearly and express themselves in a more healthy way, not thrashing around or like throwing things, which sometimes is just what's developmentally appropriate, even though it's uncomfortable, is to connect more and to really understand them and help them feel seen and have them try less hard to get their needs met. Send them the message like, I'm available to you. You don't have to try so hard, mm-hmm. which is shocking, I know, because I felt the same way as you. Like, I totally thought that. But the more and more I read, I'm like, oh, I was wrong about that. You see how immediately I've disarmed my dad in that objection or whoever it is that you're talking to because I'm like, hey, I get it. I've, I know what you mean. Like I felt that way. And I'm sure for most of you listening, that's sincere. I did not know about conscious parenting when I was, I, before I was pregnant with my son Donovan. I mean, I just happened to have someone bless me with good information at exactly the right time and place. Um, and so I think that don't get too big for your britches is my main advice. Like don't, don't become pretentious with this information. Look at it as a gift and come from a place of compassion And remember that it was probably new to you once also. It might come naturally to you, and that's a beautiful thing. I felt that way. As soon as I read Rosalind Ross's book, I was like, oh, well, this makes sense. (laughs) Like, I'll definitely be practicing this. But it was new to me. So we have to give people grace and be as curious as we possibly can. And also remind yourself if anybody's ever having a big reaction, like dad and I, we love... um, ACA meetings, like if you're not familiar with ACA, it's a really great resource. They have meetings all the time, every day of the week, all over the world. People join to talk about this kind of stuff um, in a really like nice, 
uh, what would the word be, confidential way. Yeah, it's in a safe environment. Safe environment. Um, but on those meetings, sometimes they use the expression, uh, be a, an actor in your life, not a reactor. Mm-hmm. And I use that expression often. But um, if someone in your life is being a reactor, remind yourself, like, that's fear. Like, imagine the scared little puppy in the... Well, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I one of the things I wanted to get across, especially for men, is um, we're scarier than women. We just are in general. I mean, not in every case, but like in most cases, you know, I outweigh my wife by like 80 pounds. So I'm terrifying compared to her. So if I react really negatively to something, right, I've got a deeper voice, I can yell louder, I'm stronger, right? It's terrifying for a kid. You know, imagine being a little tiny child who's only like two and a half foot tall, looking up at this, you know, what seems to be a huge giant to them who's angry, it is scary. So if you're parenting that way, if you're reacting to your children, um, you're thinking of it from your perspective, six feet up. You're not looking at it from their perspective all the way down. And it's it's really scary for them, you know. Um, so as I, I've always tried to be more conscious of like my tone of voice and, and the energy I was putting forth and making sure I wasn't in a threatening stance because I am more threatening physically just by nature, just by nature than, than my wife is. Yeah. Well, and something important too, if you get into that state and you're like, well, that's what my kids respond to. Yeah. Everyone responds to fear. Um, it's a biological response. <laughs> so yeah. you're not necessarily, uh, I hate the word fixing. You're not improving behavior. You're not improving a cognitive understanding for your child in terms of their moral compass, their values, why they do what they do. They do what they do because they are afraid of you and your response. So that ruptures any real relationship, any real learning opportunity. And on top of all of that, you are doing actual psychological damage and modeling for your children. (laughs) So step four on the list of negative things that are happening here, you are now giving them the blueprint for how they should respond when they're frustrated. When they're dysregulated, you know what you should do? Explode. <laughs> you don't have any tools to regulate yourself and in a healthy way. And back to the career, that's a good way to get fired. <laughs> you know? You can like, tell my dad works from home. He's yeah. really like in work it's like, Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's like that doesn't bode well, you know, if you react that way, you know, out in the world. So Yeah. So um, I'm going to look at some of these other questions. Okay. Um, we've really covered so many amazing things. I, I have here, you know, what loving advice would you give? To any fellow fellow grandparents, partners, or parents listening today, based on your experience, and then I'll ask some of the other questions. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say just be open-minded to it. Don't expect to get it or even like it or even agree with it right away. Uh, give it some time. You know, watch watch the way that you know your you know if you're a grandparent, watch the way your children are interacting with your grandkids, and and try to at least be consistent. You know, and practice it in that way. Um, and then you'll start to learn the, the benefits of it. And you can apply that to other people in your life, not just children or grandchildren. Oh, so wait, just be open-minded. Yeah. Because imagine, I, Dad knows firsthand, you don't have to stop there and say, okay, I'm just practicing this because I don't want to be disrespectful to my daughter. Like I'll, I'll interact with her kid in the way that she's asking me to, even though I think she's crazy. You can take it a step further And if you are so insecure about practicing this because you feel like it's a dig on you, a personal attack, and you feel a sense of shame and like unsettlement, like, like, did I suck as a parent? Like, was I not good? Like, I thought I did a good job, you know, getting into that 
defensive state, you can like disintegrate that and turn it into a beautiful opportunity to connect with your children, to reconnect with them. It is never too late. Your children, there's this beautiful quote, I wish I knew it off the top of my head, that goes something along the lines of like, the more you criticize your child, the less they love themselves, not the less they love you. Your children always yearn. Biologically, it's just written in us for you to be their safe place. They yearn for your connection as the parent. So if you're listening to this and you're a grandparent, your kids that are now raising children would love for you to interact with them in this way. And like I said, dad knows. I mean, he's seen my mom and I's relationship transform because she stopped just applying this to my son and my daughter and started applying it to all of us children as adult people. And all of our relationships have majorly shifted. And I would say your marriage has shifted as well in a lot absolutely. of ways. Yeah, absolutely. So here are some of the questions. Someone said, how are you so cool? <laughs> My gosh. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I can't speak to that. That's more. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm a laid back person. Um, I'm open minded. I'm kind of a creative person. So I'm, I'm always more kind of attracted to new things than I am existing things that I know. Um, and once again, I, you know, I was kind of taught how to treat people by the way my father treated people. And I get a great response from people because of that, you know, because I treat people with respect, whether they deserve it or not, right? People, I'm not just saying children, but people with respect, I get respect in return and it makes it easier for me to be, um, kind of even keeled. Ooh, so great dad. Yeah. I would say my dad's just the coolest because he is he's so inventive he's very innovative like even in his actual career work i think you're known for that and it comes from all those things that you mentioned but it's also cool to be innovative and so smart and like actually just love people and uh there's this willie nelson quote where he says if you want to make a lot of friends uh just let people be who they are and man my dad is the first person that comes to mind when i read that quote i was like my dad really just you couldn't not love him and not be his friend. And the reason is like, he just has like, there's no expectation for anybody ever, like other than just like, hey, I'm present with you right now. What's up? <laughs> like, I'm interested yeah. in you. I'm curious about you. It's not like uh, you have to be on for for him. And uh, I think that again, is like the epitome of being free of the ego, not being impacted by other people. It's just like, yeah. and And also... Um, one of the things that you've taught me like my whole life is just to allow people to be wrong, allow people to have Mm -hmm. a different perspective than you. It does not matter. And that is again, like the epitome of being free from the ego. Like it does, it really, it does, it's not relevant. Yeah. I've I've always told Kate, I have absolutely no problem if someone is completely wrong in my presence. (laughs) I don't mind. It's okay. You know, it's okay for you to be wrong. I don't have to correct you. I don't have to fix it. I know what I know. You think what you think, and uh, you can go ahead and be wrong. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and it creates so much less suffering, right? Yeah. On your end, yeah. I exactly. don't need to persuade them into my perspective or anything ever. I really just don't care. And I, again, I think this is what makes him cool. Like these are a mil- million things that make him cool. So this is one of um, this is one of my favorite questions on here. It says, and it's one of my favorite questions because I think that I'll preface it with the fact that. I always say, if you want control, you need influence. If you want your children to come to you for insight and advice, if you want them to look up to you and really respect you, you really need relationship. A lot of men think, and women, if we don't 
freak out, if we don't yell at our children, if we don't physically harm them, spank them, hit them, um, lock them in the room and say like, you know, think about what you've done, sit in the shame that they won't have any control. Um, and I, it's so funny because the question is, did you ever lose your cool, begin to yell, insult, swear uh, to your children or your wife? Yeah, uh, I mean, there there were definitely times. I mean, I so. no, it's rare. So like, I can name maybe like one time. <laughs> there's a couple times. There's like a handful of times. And and for me, I always had two modes. I had I had happy, great mood, glad to be with everybody. And then there's a demon, right? So there's like two <laughs> modes. So then the whole time I'm keeping the demon away, right? And I don't have to do that too hard. But like, there were a couple times where. I just got stressed or I was tired or whatever and I lost my cool and I said some things I shouldn't have said or maybe reacted in a way that was too strong and was probably terrifying, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, um, just weird too. It's like, what is happening? Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't happened much, you know? I mean, I think I've been in this this current mood for 16 years now or something like that, <laughs> but it, it doesn't happen that often. Um, uh, but, uh, but it has happened. Yeah. There were definitely times where there were things I've said to the kids where I was like, damn it. I wish I, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't lost my cool. So, um, you know, and that's, this is over a long time period, right? 25 mm -hmm. years or so. There's going to be a handful of situations where, um, for whatever reason, you just can't contain yourself. So yeah, it does happen. So that's so, that's so nice of you, dad, to be so honest and vulnerable. I think that so many people, especially as nice as you would be like, no, come to think of it. No. So no, it's actually funny that people are full of shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a well, thing. It's just funny. Cause in my mind, I'm like, I know he really didn't No, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. And so it's so, it's so refreshing. Sure. It's so yeah. refreshing. Uh, I remember me. every single time. That's the thing. Wow. I remember every single time I lost my. Ain't cool. that the truth? <laughs> As a parent, man, it's like it's like you wish you could take it back, which mm -hmm. is which is so interesting. Again, that people sometimes like are full blown like uh, so gung ho about like hitting and spanking. Like you need to. I'm like, when has that ever felt good for you to do? Like, don't you just like hate yourself after? Like, don't you just like feel horrible and look at your children's sweet faces or their little hands? Like, I just. Or even just saying something critical or shamey. And even if I get into a mode where I'm like snippy and snappy, I'm like, God, like, I hate that. I did that. And I just am shocked that people are like into it. <laughs> like, don't you feel Well, terrible? no, I, and I think sometimes it's unconscious. Yeah. You know. All of it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, this person says, who is your inspiration? Yeah, so I've kind of mentioned my dad several times, you know, and, and like I said, it, it really didn't have anything to do with parenting. It was just the way I saw him treat people. You know, he had one time where he was working in his garage and somebody's tire blew in front of the house and he walked up and he's like, hey, I got a spare tire here. It looks like it'll fit, you know, your car. You can take it, bring it back if you want to. And he didn't even know the person and he just trusted them, you know, and, and um, that's, he treated a complete stranger that way. And actually the only time I think my dad ever really saw him get upset with somebody it was a Kirby salesman that came to our house and would not leave. And then my mom got to a point like, Paul, you're going to have to get this guy out of here. He will not leave our property. And that was like the only time he really had to get aggressive with someone. Um, so I, I don't put that on him, but yeah, he definitely, you know, definitely he was one of my, you know, role models on, on basically how to be as a human uh, in the way that I interact with people. That's awesome. And yes, for those of you listening, from my perspective, my grandpa is really an angel. He's like, it truly is such a special individual that again, like my dad, you just, if you met him, it's like, you can't not love him. He's just so lovely. Um, 
how did repair look with your children growing up? And Caitlin, how did you receive that? Explain that a little bit further. So when people refer to repair, it's like once you have like blown up on your kid or said something you regret or reacted in a way that was like crazy, what did you do after? You know, was it normal to say sorry to your children or was it, because that's obviously what I advocate for, um, or did you just like let it roll over, ignore it until everybody kind of like did that weird shuffle into the kitchen, just like make I mean, yeah, I mean, the way we did it was was not the right way, right? Because it goes back to your ego, right? So sometimes you don't want to admit that what you just said or did was wrong. And I think the way that we raised you guys, we didn't go back and apologize, right? Because, um, you know, it, 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 we just let it sit, right? And it and, and by the way, it sits there for years, years and years. It sits for decades, you know? Um, you know, I, I wish that's one regret I have. I wish that there were times where I would have gone back and go, you know what, I really shouldn't have handled it that way. And I really apologize for not, you know, understanding your feelings on this. Um, but, but that goes back to that was the style, you know, you didn't do it. I'm the parent, you do what I say. If you don't do what I say, I have to raise my voice. If I have to raise my voice even further, I have to do something else. And then you deal with the consequences. And that's, that's not the right way now. I mean, I'm, I'm woke when it comes to that, I guess. But, uh, um, but that was the way it was. And unfortunately, you guys would get in trouble or something, and you would just have to sit in it. And it was, it was yeah, not, not so great for you. I would like sing dramatic songs to myself, <laughs> which is like kind of funny. But then I also like, oh, man, that's uh-huh. so sad. <laughs> Poor little Kate. <laughs> She's, oh, yeah, well. Um, so, yeah, I think how I felt on the receiving end of that, um, yeah, I mean, it's how you would expect and how most of you listening felt on the receiving end, just like dad, I'm sure, felt if you ever got in trouble. I don't know. Grandma loved you. Like he, my dad was a strong favorite. But, okay. yeah, definitely got in trouble. In trouble. Okay. So, yeah, sitting in shame is never a good thing, no, no, especially no. when, again, you have this, like, I was the disease to please child, um, like, gold star child, um, whereas I watched my brother be the person that was an externalizer. I internalized the shame and made it about myself. Like, I am bad. I can't be bad again. Like, I have to be perfect. Um, whereas I, my brother would be like, I don't care what you think about me. I don't even like you, you know, which was an even louder, I'm so sad, I don't like yeah. myself. But um, yeah, that's that's how it was on the receiving end. But at the same time, it, again, if you're listening and you're like, oh, shoot, <laughs> like crap. Listen, all it takes is one really uh, sincere, like, man, I'm so sorry that that's how we handle things. Like, I love you so much. I don't want you ever to question that. And I'm sorry you did. Like, I'm so sorry. And that's... That's it. <laughs> I think for most of you listening, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that's good. Really, thank you for saying that. Cool. <laughs> We're good. So anyway, you can very much, like, you can easily, I think, easily repair if it's really coming from the heart and it's sincere and intentional. Um, I guess one of the last two two more questions. Uh, the first one would be, how did it feel when James and Caitlin took SAP for their last name? Oh, I mean, that was amazing. You know, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I was, I always had wished that I had been there for James and Caitlin's birth and had been able to start with them as, as babies. And I wasn't, but that day was kind of like the birth, right? That was the equivalent of, of watching your children be born. And, and in James's case, he took my middle name too, which was so cool, you know, and it was his idea as a young kid to say, yeah, I want to take dad's middle name. So, 
you know, it was it was a it was a good sign of kind of all the progress we had made as a as a new family and the relationship that we had built. So it was one of the you know one of the best days of my life, honestly. Yeah, mine too. I really remember it very vividly. The next question is, what is your most treasured memory? Yeah, and I, I you can't say most treasured because uh, that's like saying that's your favorite memory, but a treasured memory that I have, um, you know, when. You know, I was really young when I started raising James and Caitlin. I mean, I think I was 20 going on 21, essentially. And um, Caitlin really kind of accepted me as her father a lot sooner, right? And she called me dad very early on and whatnot. And um, it took James a little bit longer to come around. And there was a time where, you know, we just continued to grow our relationship, right? And he continued to accept me, you know, as his father and whatnot. And there was one time I came down to go to work and he had made my lunch for me and, um, and, and had like, he was so excited that he got up early before me, made my lunch for work and, and packed all this stuff in there. And it was so cute. He might've even put like a little note in it and it oh. said, I love you dad or something like that. But, um, the, the, the he, uh, it's funny to, you know, see kind of, the, um, perspective of a kid so the sandwich that he made me was it was like two pieces of white bread with some ketchup and hot sauce on it (laughs) there was no meat there was no cheese no vegetables in this thing it was a hot sauce and ketchup sandwich i don't remember what else was in there but i went to work that day and i ate a ketchup and hot sauce sandwich i didn't like go oh that was sweet and then throw it in the trash I was like, he made this for me. And yeah, maybe it's not the thing that I would have wanted to eat today. But my son made this for me. And uh, I'm going to eat it. And this is what's going to be my lunch. And it was like kind of a really good sign that he was you know, really starting to accept me as his father. And and that happened through showing him respect and, and you know showing him love and compassion. Oh, my gosh. I've never heard that story. And it made me cry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so touching. And, and again, if you're listening as a parent, it's just like, I don't know, maybe it's really close to home for me too, having, seeing the relationship between my son and my husband and just knowing how hard people that come into a relationship with children have to work. Like they really like just have a deeper love for, I I mean, if you, if you come into a relationship and accept someone's children as your own and treat them as your own, it's just a different kind of love, a deeper kind of love because there is that thought I think I mean I can't speak personally but I observe it of like this person could never accept me like might not ever really love me and appreciate me or or view me the way I view them it's really a selfless act well and I I look at it as you know you can you can you can get pregnant and have a child somewhat unexpectedly you know but when you when you accept you know children as your own it's a choice it's a conscious choice And, um, you know, it was a choice I obviously have never regretted and been so happy with, but it was decision I made as like a 20 year old guy, you know, (laughs) that, yeah, I'm going to raise these kids and I'm not going to leave them and I'm going to stay here uh, with them forever. So, yeah, it's such, it's so sweet, dad. I've never heard that story. And I don't know if James, oh my gosh, he'll die (laughs) if he listens this, but, um, that was so beautiful. And that is, that is, there, there couldn't have been a better treasured memory for you to share. I'm so glad to have heard that. Um, okay, this last question, things you wish you had prioritized and things you don't regret prioritizing. Oh, so, I mean, honestly, one thing that I've always kind of regretted not prioritizing, um, was, um, making sure that I was taking care of the mental health of my children and mental health, you know, and once again, like 
has emerged as something that's really important, you know, that's, that's as important. It used to be a stigma if you needed to go to a therapist. I mean, even back in the eighties or nineties. Um, but like there were transitions in our life where, for example, we had the kids in one school, the school where I grew up and we moved to another school and they should have gone to therapy during that transition and they should have spoke to somebody and they should have been able to talk through that transition and they didn't. And it was pretty hard on them. And that's, that's, you know, one example, you know, when, when, um, our younger two, uh, were born, right? That was another big transition period. I should have had these kids in therapy to, to, to talk to someone about it and how they felt. And, and it would have gone a long ways towards making sure that they dealt with that, um, change in their life, um, more successfully. Um, you know, and cause there were, we didn't, you know, Marty and I didn't find out about some of these challenges until the, the kids were adults and said, yeah, that was really hard on me when we moved schools or that was really hard on me when, you know, we had you know, these new family members. Right. And we didn't know that, you know, and I didn't know to look for that. And, um, you know, nowadays I, I hope there's a lot more resources available. There's less of a stigma around mental health. Yeah, but the thing I'll say is uh, the old school mentality of child rearing was you needed to kind of um, provide three things. One, you need to keep your kid alive, right? So that was like the basics that was handled back in the day, right? So just make sure that so make sure they do not die. Um, uh, you know, the second thing is you got to make sure that they're healthy. So you take them for yearly physicals. You take them to the dentist. You, if they're sick, you take them to the doctor. Those are kind of the things you take care of. And then the third thing is you, you hope to get them to a point where they can go be independent adults in and of themselves. <clears throat> and those things are all important. They're very important. But I think as a society, we're smarter now to know that there's more than just that, right? You also, un- unfortunately, as difficult as it, as it is, and we're not necessarily equipped to be able to, to do this, I know I wasn't equipped to do it, but is to, you know, kind of maintain your children's mental health as well and, um, and, and basically their confidence. And, you know, that is a bit of a new concept. You know, it's like, I was a good parent. My kids didn't die. <laughs> they aren't hungry. Right. You know, you never wanted for anything. I mean, that's something you hear. And it's like, yeah, I did. I wanted for you to just hear me when I was upset, you know. Um, So so the job of a parent, I think the expectations are higher now. And there is an expectation that you're also responsible for providing your children with good mental health, whether that means the way you interact with them or getting them some help if they're going through something difficult. Yeah. Well, and the one thing I'll say, too, that you said there, like, yeah, I did want for something. I wanted you to hear me when I'm upset. Children also want to be heard about the things that they're excited about. So often children are really treated as such an inconvenience and annoyance. Like, God forbid we take 30 more seconds to look at the whatever construction thing is going on while on our walk or we cannot stop and look at everything in the grocery store. Well, you're taking them on your errand and they have to just like come along to life with you. I mean, we inconvenience our children all the time if we actually cared about their point of view. How often we involve them in our daily life is something that they want for. They want to feel like, hey, like I I matter. My point of view is important. Even if it is just like, you know, the bids for connection piece of like, mom, come look at this thing I built you go and look that's that's a big one and that contributes to positive mental health also so what are the things i love that by the way and i also think it's crazy i actually just heard someone recently say like oh i don't go to therapy as if it was like a something to be super proud of (laughs) i was like that's not a good flex Mm -hmm. like that's a strange thing to just be like yes like 
you can't catch me at a therapist. So I'm like, yeah. I can tell. <laughs> but um, also, uh, there was one more thing I wanted to mention in terms of the mental health piece, where children, what their needs are, what are they actually wanting for, but I lost my thought. So, Dad, what are the things that you, uh, you that's what you regret, you wish you would have prioritized it more. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the things that you love that you did prioritize? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things I, I love that I did prioritize was, um, I, I think in most cases, I, I created a safe channel for my children to come to me. Um, whereas my wife was more of a reactor and I wasn't a reactor, uh, if something bad happened, they had a way to get to me, you know, and say, hey, this happened. I know mom's going to be really upset. What do you think I should do, dad? And a lot of times it actually created resentment for my wife saying, oh, the kids like you better because they come to you. And I go, no, they come to me because I don't scare the shit out of them when they have something <laughs> bad happening. Right. And they come to me to figure out how to how to do how to kind of let you know about it so that you don't scare them, too. So, like, I, I kept that communication channel open and I didn't react to things uh, in a way that would kind of shut them out, because if they didn't have me to go to, I don't know who they would have gone to. Right. You know, it would have been difficult. Um, I think another thing I prioritized that was important was I really wanted to to, to my children to be individuals. You know, I, I didn't want them to be like me necessarily. I think that's a somewhat narcissistic. You know, I didn't want them to, I didn't push them to go into the same career that I did. Um, you know, if they were doing something that I enjoyed as a child, I would probably lean in a little bit more, you know, and spend some time with them. But like, I wanted them to be them and they're all completely different you know, people because of that, I think, but I just wanted to encourage them being them. And I I felt that was something, you know, really good that I did prioritize. Yes. All of it, all of it completely. I can attest to Scouts Honor. Um, Thank you so much, dad. I guess we'll just wrap up on that one. Actually, I do want to ask the question. It sounds, it sounds very egoic on my end, but I really do want to know, there was a question that said, what's, what's the biggest thing that you've learned from me? Mm -hmm. And I really want to know, I think it would be so interesting to hear your perspective yeah it might not be about parenting at all i don't know all right yeah i mean well i mean you taught me how to be a parent when you were little (laughs) you know like you gave me my you 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 made me a dad right you know so like you gave me that opportunity um to kind of get to know you and i'm the youngest in my family i'm youngest of six so i was never in a situation where there were younger kids around me so you know, when I became your father, that was the first time I'd ever been around children, really. So, you know, I've been learning since then. But I mean, even more recently, you know, I just learned about uh, understanding kind of what the long term impact is of certain parenting styles, and not even parenting styles, just relationship styles, right? You know, there's, there's, there are long term impacts, and you need to be conscious about the things you say, and you need to be conscious about the way you interact with people. Um, because there is a cause and effect with that. And I think that's something I learned, you know, through what, what you've been teaching us with Donovan. Yes. Thanks, Dad. Um, I, I can't even put into words all the things that I've learned from my dad, obviously. He's, I think I strongly attribute my secure attachment style to my dad and honestly my ability to convey the information that I convey in a way that the majority of people apparently that that are receptive to it um say is done with love like I, I i really think that he's helped me to take in new information be super open-minded and also be really compassionate to people that don't share the same perspective or allowing as we talked about earlier other people to 
maybe not agree and like not be mad about it, you know? And and if I really feel like, oh, but it's just illogical to not agree like this, you're, you might be hurting people in your life, right? It's something I feel all the time, helping people raise their children in a more conscious way and operate in their marriages or their other relationships in a more conscious way or in their daily life. I'm like, gosh, sometimes it really is hard to follow that that advice that is so sage of like, just let people be wrong because I just want to help people so much. But at least the one thing I really, I strongly attribute to my relationship with my dad and learning from you is to let people be where they're at when they're there and, and know what they know while they know it and that's okay. But if you are going to share new information, like do so in a way that is so loving and so intentional um, and free of judgment, free of shame and criticism. And that is honestly I think the cornerstone of when I look at the foundation of the work that I share and how I want to share it with people how I want to help parents and children all over the world that is that is the base that I work from and I get it from you so thanks so much dad um thank you so much for being here I'm gonna give you a little hug side hug love you too dad Mm. so thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast today and any other time please rate it i've got a goal of getting in the top 10 podcasts of parenting the parenting category on apple and spotify and that really helps if i get a five star rating so if you like this give it five stars share it i'll try to reshare it if you tag me i just i can't express how much i appreciate anybody that takes the time to listen to this but then more importantly goes forward and implements all the things that we're talking about and at least tries tries to practice something different trying to do things a different way that's going to promote more compassion a more peaceful place to live for everybody especially our our little ones Um, if you're someone that's looking to do a deeper dive into conscious parenting check out my course at themellowmama.org there are pay-as-you-go options Um, there's also really great digital products on my website like my new mellow moments which my dad helped me name (laughs) as well as my channel the mellow mama i feel like i've said that a million times but you might be new my dad named my channel which is the best he's very good at things like that um but anyway so i have these new mellow moments which are basically like having me in your pocket or on your shoulder whether it's a hard time or not to help you regulate your nervous system come back to that centered grounded state where you're like okay I am in the driver's seat. I'm not that actor, reactor. I am the actor. I'm in control of my responses and my reactions. And I really can get more curious about my child or the person in front of me and, and get more curious about myself. There's a really good 478 breathing option, which is one of my favorite go-tos for regulating my nervous system. EFT tapping. I honestly have been really into the end of day affirmations. You guys should check those out, especially if you have a strong inner critical parent that likes to beat you up maybe from the time you wake up to the end of the day. But man, that voice can be so loud when you're going to bed, closing your eyes and you're thinking about all the ways you screwed up, all the things that you did wrong or said wrong or whatever you didn't do enough of. Listen to those end of day affirmations so that I can comfort you and and remind you of all the things you did well. Check out all the other things I have to offer. I think you'll love it. And thank you again for listening. Follow me on Instagram at The Mellow Mama, my YouTube channel, The Mellow Mama as well. And I will see you on the next episode.